Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Awesome. Man, well, we're so glad that you're here. And just regarding Camp Edge, uh, I've read a few stats on it last, uh, last week, and we had about over 70 kids receive Jesus for the first time. Uh, we had about 40-some kids that got filled with the Holy Spirit, which is phenomenal. And one of the greatest things that we need for this year is your help. Uh, we are having a ton of kids sign up, and we, what we don't want to do is cap it. Like, you know, it would be terrible to say, oh, only 300 kids can come. And do you know why we'd have to do that? Because we don't got enough people to help us. And so we got to keep it at a certain way so so many kids per adult, because otherwise it gets crazy. Uh, we don't want 70 kids per adult, because that would just be... A gong show. Any parents out here understand what I'm saying? I've taken three kids somewhere once too, and I'm like, okay, I'm maxed out. That's enough for me. So if you have, you got some time, and it's, um, it's going to be a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it's from 9 till 1230, and it's just a phenomenal time to put yourself and make yourself available for God to use and reach a kid's life. It's, it changes. Because you're not just reaching a kid, you're reaching an entire family. So this is really what we're interested in. This is what our, one of our biggest outreaches that we put on as a church family. So go, you can check out uh, right outside here. There'll be a little uh, info desk for you. You can go right online. You can register on there so we can get to know who's all coming because we want to reach this city greater impact, right? And that's what we're all about here, Impact Life Church. Uh, so another quick thing that I want to just mention before we get started into this is uh, last week we had our legacy offering and it was phenomenal. It was wonderful. And just before we just kind of let you know what took place, we want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for those that sowed and participated in it. It's not over yet, but it was a great start to where we're at. Uh, so last week, are you ready? Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I, I don't think you understand. Like this, what we're doing here is more than just a cute little Sunday. We're looking to reach an entire city, and we're all a part of this thing. So, do you want to hear what came in? Yeah. All right, I got a whistler, I got a grunt. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, I I coach soccer once in a while, and I don't I don't do a sit up to you know to even do what I just heard. I wouldn't even do a sit up for it. So, do you really want to hear what came in? This is what we did. All right, all right, that's good. So we came in, I'll tell you at the end of the service. I'm just playing with you. So we had uh, the, you know, the offering last week, and we also had some pledge cards. But the offering that came in, in total with the pledge cards, was just over $67,000. Man, isn't that a great place to start? And so $5,900 of that is pledged. And then the rest of it, so about $61,000 came in that we right away put on. And so that... Uh, property in the corner right over there belongs to us as of Friday. So you can go and suntan on it. You can whatever you want. There's a lot of high grass and probably a ton of mosquitoes. But you know what? If you just wanted to say, hey, I want to you know, bring some friends to go hang out in the house. You can go in there. It's not much to do, but go check it out. It belongs to Impact Life Church. Man, we're so, so excited, man. Isn't that amazing? So when we're just thinking like, you know, God is a way maker, I just, I look at how good God is. And what does he do? He uses you and I to make things happen. So I just want to say thank you for the God that you've allowed, the God on the inside of you, you've allowed him to work in us and work through us. And that doesn't stop there. So June 28th, we get that one. So bing, bang, boom, bop, buzz. That's... <laughs> Right now, we'll start with Bing Bang, but uh, we're just so, so thankful, and before we go on in that too, I've had a few people actually come up to me talking about some more pledges that they'd like to do. If you are interested in doing a pledge, and what that simply is, is you are wanting to donate on a regular basis. On the back, it says you can do it weekly, you can do it twice a month, you can do it monthly, quarterly, annually. If you would still like to participate in that, we are still going to be pushing for this because we're not quite you know, at the goal yet, but if that's on your heart to do and you want to continue to sow, not just into land, but reaching red here, you can definitely do that. So if you just fill out one of these cards, we'll have those. There's some in the, uh, in the foyer as well. Make sure you grab one of these, or oh, it's the info area, sorry, info area just outside here. Make sure you grab one of these and just let us know. Then it helps us to kind of budget uh, for the upcoming, you know, what we got to do financially with it. So if you just do that, that be, we'd be greatly appreciated by that. So thank you in advance for all that you're doing. I know we're going to continue to do it because we know that we're here to impact generations for Jesus. And so, man, it's just so fun to look at. I actually took a walk in it because we got it Friday when it was snowing. Y'all remember that? Yeah, Friday was hard to miss, wasn't it? All right, so I just thought, you know what? I'm going to just you know, take a little stroll, you know, winter wonderland, wonderland, and just kick a little bit of the grass around. 
swipe my feet across the rocks and go, oh, that feels good, don't it? So if you'd like to join me, then we can definitely go for a little frolic around right after the service. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you've got your Bibles with you, let's go to Zechariah chapter 4, please. You're probably wondering, where is Zechariah? Does Zechariah even exist? Well, when you go to Matthew, just turn left a little bit. And you'll see Zechariah. <clears throat> and if you didn't bring your Bible, you can join on the screen. That works too. Uh, but we're continuing our series on Christian Killers. I want you to participate with me today, all right? You're gonna, you can yell, scream, jump. <clears throat> and uh, these past you know, a couple of weeks, we've been really digging into some of these things. And Anybody remember week one? We talked a little bit about you know, the first real thing that we want to understand is what did we sign up for when we said that Jesus is Lord of our life? Right, it's, you didn't just, you know, okay, I'm a Christian now and that's kind of the end of it. No, you signed up for something now that God chose you to become and he chose you to be just like his son Jesus. So that's the ultimate goal for you in my life is not another person, another ministry, another pastor, another good Christian somewhere that you see. The ultimate goal for your life, don't cap yourself, the ultimate goal for your life is to look and act and talk just like Jesus. Now, we hear that a lot, but just think about it for a moment. Jesus, what he did on this earth isn't just an example of us or for us. He's an example of who we actually are. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, guess what? You can be just like the Master. That should get you a little bit more excited than that. Oh, no, I'm, I'm good just being Joel. No, trust me. Don't be good enough with just who you are. You can go so much more. So don't cap yourself and sell yourself short. There's more to it. Then the week after, we talked about something. Remember the Christian killer that we talked about is living for the wrong audience, right? When you live for the wrong audience, there's a pressure to perform and you got all these things that are going around culture-wise. There's this pressure, pressure to look good, pressure to be good, pressure to be somebody. But what we decided is we're not living for the man. We're not living for the woman. Who are we living for? All right, with a little bit more enthusiasm, who are we living for? Jesus. So what are we doing? He is our one-man audience. So when I lift my hands, I'm not doing it to be seen of man. I'm not doing this, anything that I do so that people notice me. I'm doing it because I'm in love with this man, Jesus. Right? And last week, we touched on a few things as well. And we talked about one of the Christian killers as well is misplaced expectation. Now, you can put your expectation in things, and that's never where it should have been to begin with. Right? People got expect expectations on the outcome of things. Or, you know, God promised this, and that, that's good. You can believe this as you see what God done. But the ultimate place for our expectation is in who He is. He is a healer. It's not my job to figure out how He's going to do it. Right? Remember we shared a little bit of example on that. I'm not going to get too much time into detail on that. Although my wife asked me, can you please preach that again? And I thought, man, you know what? I need to hear that for myself again. Man, there's misplaced expectation because people think this is the way God's going to do something in my life. How do you know? Who are you to say? All you're supposed to have expectation is in who he is. Who is he? He is a faithful God. That's where my expectation is in is his faithfulness. How he does it is not up to me. Right? So we talked a little bit about that. And I know I got your, your tongues wet now, didn't I? Okay, good. Well, we're going to move on this morning. We're going to be talking about another Christian killer, talking about despising small things. Despising the small. Anybody know the word despise means? To look down, to, yeah, low, actually to look down on something. And in Zechariah chapter 4, and I know you've probably heard this verse or you've seen it on a cute quote somewhere. But the first beginning of this verse, it says, Do not, everybody say, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord... What does he do? He rejoices to see the work begin. So now let's start at this again. Do not despise. Why does he have to say do not despise? There obviously must mean that there is a temptation to look at the small in my life, what I'm experiencing in my life, and neglect it. To pay very little attention to it and to actually put minimal effort into. Right? Anybody got some small things in their life? Right? What, let's just talk about a few of these things. What, what could be some small things? No, you mean fitness. Booyah. That's, well, that's a, that's a big thing. Fitness. But it starts somewhere, right? It starts with one jumping jack at a time. Does it not? Any, any fitness folk in here? Does anybody just walk into the gym and just throw on a bunch of weight and say, I'm ready to do this thing? Aaron. <laughs> if you haven't had the privilege of meeting Aaron yet, I encourage you to meet Aaron because he just goes all out of the gym and he does the bench press really good. And the reason I say he does the bench press, we, we talked about it. We, I saw him at the gym one time, and he's like, hey, I'm, uh, do you want to do the bench press? 
And that's not gym lingo. When you say, do you want to do the bench press? People think, oh, this guy has never lifted a weight in his life. So we go and we say, hey, do you want a bench? We don't say, do you want to do the bench press? Right, so right after, <laughs> he got his man card back, just right after doing that. You know, he's just throwing it out. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and do this. <laughs> no, Aaron with ease is just pushing it, pumping it. But I've seen guys that go to the gym and these are little scrawny guys. And there's a, there's a lot of them that just come to the gym. They stand in the mirror and they do these. And their buddy's taking a picture of them in the mirror. Right, you've seen those guys? Right, right, okay, so they're, they're going out. Then you see them go and push weight. They are struggling, man. Like you threw on a 25 on each side. They are hurting units. Why you got to start where you're at? Don't despise the small beginnings. You may have to go walk over to the purple weights. Oh, the two and a half pounder? Yeah, I'm going to just start here. But here's the thing. Don't despise that. I could go to the gym and yeah, start with a two and a half weight and go, this, I look stupid, first of all, because it's two and a half. But he says, don't despise it because the Lord rejoices at the work beginning. It's a good place to start. You don't just start with 45s on each side. You got to work your way there, right? I'm so glad to say Aaron, my ripped friend, is now at that place. <clears throat> a lighter 45. <laughs> we'll talk about it later, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just picking on him. Sorry, Aaron. <clears throat> but the wonderful thing is that small beginnings doesn't mean small endings. And that's the wonderful news. But the thing is, he just says, don't despise it. Don't look down on it. Why? Because it's not meant just to stay small. Anything in your life, everything that you're experiencing is not meant for it just to stay where it is. But here's the thing. You don't despise where it's at. You have to you know, be, get excited. You've got to put the work in. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this today on not despising small things. Are we okay this morning? Okay. So here's the truth is that we all want the tree, but we neglect the seed. We all want the full outcome. We all want the ripped body. We all want to look like Aaron. But the result is you got to go to the two and a half pound weight and you got to start lifting it. Nobody just starts like Mr. Olympia. Nobody begins there. Nobody begins at the highest place. Nobody is born a CEO. Right? What is it? you got to work your way. There is a process to this whole thing. And in the kingdom of God, when it comes to his promises, did you know that there is a process to it? Just because the Bible says, by his stripes you are healed, that is an absolute truth. It is a fact that you are healed. But you know what? It may be a process for you. You've got to work your way into some things. Absolutely. Does God do miraculous instantaneous? Hands down. Yes, he absolutely does that. But that's not for you to decide. Remember we talked about That's not for you just to say, oh, I'm going to take this. This all belongs to me. There, God may be telling you some other things. Change your diet. I'm just coming up to healing lines and I'm, you know, I'm dealing with this sickness again. Well, God may be talking to you about changing the way you eat, right? So what is the principal thing? It's wisdom. Didn't say faith is the principal thing. He said wisdom is the principal thing. Get it. Because when you get wisdom, you know what to do when you don't know what to do, right? Are we, all, are we okay? We're okay. So... You don't want to, and here's the thing, uh, process involved in any kind of promotion. If you skip out on the process, you will, be, you will not be ready when promotion comes because the reality is you don't want what you're not ready for. <laughs> you don't want it. Everybody say, I don't want it. Whatever you're desiring and what you're ready for, you, or what you're desiring, you're not, you don't want it if you're not ready for it. Why? Because to whom much is given, much is required. So I want you to just look at this verse real quick. Luke chapter 12 and verse 48. I have it on the Passion Bible. And I want you just to look at, uh, um, well, Jesus. I'm kind of jumping into Jesus' mid-sentence here. But it says, But the servant who does not know his master's will unwittingly does not and does what is wrong will be punished less severely. I mean, for you just to get the whole, you've got to read a few verses into that. <laughs> but for those who have received a greater revelation from their master... What is required? Greater obedience. And people are always wanting more. I want more. I want more. I want more. Here's the thing. Even just talking about the gym side of it, you want to be in top tip shape. Guess what? It's great that you get there, but you know what's even harder? Staying there. Anybody can get in shape. It's staying there that's actually the work. So when you receive this great revelation from your master, you receive, you know, any kind of understanding, anytime God promotes you in any kind of way, it's great, yee-haw, but the hard thing is now you got to stay in that spot. So that's why he goes on to say, uh, you're, you're required a greater obedience. And those who have been entrusted with great responsibility, 
What does it say? Will be held more to who? To their master. So this actually ties into the audience that we're living for as well. But now if I get stuff, if, I, if I'm entrusted with more, what's, what's now required of me? More responsibility. Right? If I'm getting all these extra things that the Lord is downloading and entrusting me to, what's required of me? More obedience. So here's the thing. Do you want more? <laughs> now, it makes you think a little bit. Because it's so easy. And I met people, oh, I want this and I want that. I want a million bucks. What would you do if you had it? Because even though you got it, but what's required of you is obedience. Right? I want my company to go to the next level. I want to be a million dollar company. Yeehaw, that's great. But what's required of you? Just because you got it doesn't mean anything. Right? That's the same thing that I'm learning in this too is because I wish that I was further than where I was. But do I actually want it? Yeah, I really, really, really want it. But then I think back and go, oh, now what's required of me? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to just hold back a little bit. I'm going to work my way in. And that's what God is so good at. That's what he says. Don't despise where you're at. Don't, don't look at other people and go, oh, I wish I had that. Oh, I want that thing. No, look where you're at and be thankful for it and say, I'm going to work this thing good. Right? Okay, so now let's, this is what we want to talk about this morning is what is required of us. How do I make what is small in my life and see it grow? Can we talk about that? Because we all want to see things grow. You want to see your, your finances grow. You want to see, you know, your family relationships grow. You want to see the gifting and the grace that God put in you grow. Right? Anybody else interested in growth? Right? I'm not interested in just staying where I'm at. God has got more for me, so I want to grow it. But here's the key. We're going to talk about these few different things. The number one is I have to know how the kingdom of God operates. Number two is I got to know obedience. And number three, faithfulness. So let's talk about this. What and how does the kingdom of God operate Go to Luke chapter 16, and let's just talk about this for a moment. How does the kingdom of God operate? Now remember how we've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, and we've been placed in the kingdom of God's dear son. The kingdom of darkness, the world system that we see, people are looking for their big break. Chapter 12. <laughs> If I could just get my big break, if I could just meet so-and-so, if I could just be seen of these people, I could get my big break. That's not how the kingdom of God operates. Come on, somebody. Right? It's not about getting in the right place. I mean, of course, people can help you there, but it's God that I'm living for. I'm not looking to get around the right people who will promote me. I'm looking to do it pro uh, profitably to Him, and in the result, He'll do the work. So now if I'm living for him and if I'm doing things for him, now the kingdom of darkness is looking just for, you know, I want to win the jackpot. And as you've heard and you've seen people that win jackpots, what happens to that money within the first year? It's wasted it. Why? Because they don't understand the responsibility that comes with it. And they end up even in greater debt. That's a problem. So we got to first know how to manage $10 before we can manage $10,000 before we can manage a million. How do you do with 10 bucks? Right? we got to start somewhere before God can entrust you with the more. So how does the kingdom of God, how does it work? How does it operate? What is it like? Before I read these verses, Matthew chapter 13, this is Jesus talking about the parable of the sower. Now he says in verse 11, he says, To you, the ways of the kingdom has been revealed to you so that you can know the mysteries of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news. When I see that, I go, I'm not left in the dark anymore. I can understand how God works. Right? Can you actually just, just, you need to see that verse for a sec. Because this is one of my things that I declare over myself on a regular basis. Matthew 13, verse 11. You got, you see it? Okay. So Jesus replied to them, he said, you are permitted, so whenever I say you are permitted, I go, Joel is permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but others are not. I am able to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Can we say that together? I am permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So they're not a secret to me, he's revealing it to me. But here's the thing, we got to understand this. we got to throw ourselves at how this is operated. Because he goes on to say, right when you go down and read this whole parable, we know this parable to be the parable of the seed and the sower, but he even talks about the farmer goes out to sow the word, to sow the seed. How does the word of God even begin? It begins as what? 
seed. When you read the Bible, sometimes that's why people get bored of it is because they expect revelation just to come just automatically like that. God is not just going to be giving revelation to whosoever will. He looks to see those who are obedient and faithful with what they have. What have you heard? What have you seen in your word? Because this is exactly what it is. And he goes on to describe the different heart conditions that are in this. Here's the sower goes out and he sows the word. 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 It comes to you in seed form. Now, seeds, are they really that exciting? Not when you've seen it. I mean, remember, you know, in grade school when they say, okay, here, here's some seed, kids, go plant it. Uh, no. <laughs> Can I have a ball? Like, it, here's a seed. Okay, let's just go plant it in there. Okay, now water it. Okay. Now give it some sunlight. Okay photosynthesize it, do your thing, and then you just remember standing. Okay. Okay. And then all of a sudden school's done, and you go home and you tell your parents, Mom, guess what, Baba? I planted a seed! And it's going to grow up and it's going to produce strawberries. Oh, that's really exciting. And then you go back to school the next day only to see that nothing has happened. So the seed, ultimately, I mean, that's sometimes why people get so bored of their Bibles, is because it comes to you in seed form. And this is where it all begins. How do you handle the seed of the word? Do you go, ah, oh, I've heard that before. Guess what? You are no candidate to get any more out of it. Oh, I've heard that before. Can you get something? Can, can you get something new? There, there is nothing new. All that there is required of you is actually to go deeper in this. John 3.16, I don't think we've even touched the surface of what the depth of that verse means. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Man, it's, there's so much in that. And we go, oh yeah, I know God's love. No, but stop and let that seed germinate. Let it grow on the inside of you so it can begin the process to become bigger in you. So even if the word starts this way, notice everything else in life happens this way as well. It starts off as a seed. There's a process between small and big. Again, everybody wants the tree, but it starts off as the seed. So don't despise small beginnings. No matter where your season you are in your life, everything starts small. Don't ever think that you're going to outgrow this system either. Oh, I'm, I'm big now, so it should be big. No, 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 no. Everything starts small. And you've got to prove yourself to be faithful in it. And I want to show you this. This is how the kingdom of God operates. In fact, the kingdom of God is actually testing you and I to see how we handle small things. So look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It says this, if you... Now notice right away, who's the emphasis on? If you... Is God's will and desire for whatever is in your possessions to grow? Your gifting, the anointing that God placed on your life? You mean what you've experiencing, what you're having? Does he, experience, does he expect and have a desire for it to go to the next level? Yeah. Yes, because our God is a God of growth. He's a creator. He's an innovator. Everything about him is forward. That's who he is. But now he goes on and he puts some things on you and my plate. God's will is, yeah, he wants everything to prosper. He even said it in his word. I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul is prospering. So there's always a condition. God's will is absolute. He wants to do this for you in my life. Is healing God's will? Yes, but it begins somewhere. Don't just think, oh, I've heard that once and now I'm a, I'm a healing giant. It works its way in steps to it. It starts somewhere. But this is how it begins. And notice this. If you are faithful. Everybody say faithful. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be what? Faithful in the large ones. You can't change that. Just give me something big and I'll prove it. No, 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 no. If you can't do small, you can't do big. I remember there was a, a guy that was working here one time. He's not here anymore. That's why I can say it. Uh, but I remember he came up to me one time and he said, when are you going to allow me to do bigger things? Like, when can I preach to the youth? When can I do and lead all this worship and different stuff around the city? Uh, I remember when he said that to us, I said, well, when you remember to turn the lights on. <laughs> that didn't go over real well, but that's the absolute truth. Like, the, one of his jobs was just to dim the lights, to turn the lights on and off when it was 7 o'clock countdown went off, turn them off. And when the service was on, uh, over, turn them on. He couldn't do that. Up, down. Then 
you can have bigger things. And that's the same thing. That's how it works with everything. If you're faithful in the little, guess what? It's proving that you're faithful for more. But if you are dishonest, everybody say dishonest. If you're dishonest in the little things, you won't. Say you won't. Remember, who's the one that promotes us? It's God. Man does not promote. God is the promoter. Yes, he uses people to, you know, say, oh, you know what? You should move up to a higher place. But it's God that promotes. That, again, that's why we are living for the, the one, the audience of one. So what am I being faithful to? I'm being faithful to what he gave me. Even if nobody's looking, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. If he told me to pray, I'm going to pray. If he told me to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and pray, guess what? I'm going to do it because that's a little thing. If you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with your own? <laughs> are you, anybody want to rejoice after that? Woo, yeah, that's it. That's, now this is helping us. This is to show us. Don't look at it and go, oh, my God. Well, why is that so harsh? No, flip it. Flip the flow sometimes. Don't just look at all oh, that's so harsh. Look at it. That's my ticket out. That's my ticket to ownership. That's my ticket to experiencing something bigger in my life. So if you're not doing very good with, you know, maybe you're renting a house or you're renting a car or you're, you know, renting somebody's lawnmower or whatever, be tr are you trustworthy with it? Is it going to come back even greater? That's something that I know my dad always taught me. Whenever you get a vehicle, somebody loans you a vehicle, what do you do? You make it better than when you got it. Always did that to us. See, that's all we always taught. And then I remember, <laughs> remember one time that I actually had to borrow my open almost truck one time, and I had to you know pick up some uh, IKEA furniture because their truck was a lot bigger than mine. I remember that little inky, dinky truck that I had. You know, somebody bought it off me. I was faithful with that truck for 12 years, y'all. I was faithful to that truck. But anyways, I remember so right away I, I took that truck and I bought some stuff. And I remember, you know. Looking at the gas station going, shoot, that's going to be a lot of money. That tank is huge. Just sitting at the <laughs> Go! Papa, why did you teach me that? And just all of a sudden it's back. But you know what? Those little things add up and it starts to build character in you. God's watching those little itty bitty things. You borrow a lawnmower, you give it back to your neighbor and it's just even more trashed and you ran over some, you know, dog crap and you're just here you go and give it back to him going what he's going to look at you i'm never going to give you that again no chance i'm going to so how do you handle the little itty bitty things man this has been something that the lord's been talking to me about just on a regular basis jamie's been helping <laughs> where do the dishes go when they're done not in the sink dishwasher Oh, that's where it goes. Yo, no kidding. So it goes, you, listen, I used to think those things were so like, man, just leave that alone. Just don't touch that. God is watching. I make my bed every morning. Oh, why? You're going to just go to bed in like 12 hours. That's not the point. I'm wanting to be excellent in things. I'm letting him watch me every time. You know, I, I, that's how I want to live my life is because I want to be counted as faithful. So when he looks at me and go, I, I can give him more. I can give him more. I, I, I want to give him more. Listen, God's desire. He wants to. It's not about does he want to. It's can he. Can I give you more? Can I use you to reach people? Because that's really the ultimate goal. So if you go back to verse 11, he even just says this. Um, if, you are, or go, uh, yeah, if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth. Now, I want you to see worldly wealth is all about our dollars and all that stuff. And then he says, but who will entrust you with the true riches of heaven? Money is not the true riches of heaven. According, if you read the rest of this chapter, money is the lowest on the totem pole, and people can't even pass the money test. And he says, I want to give you so much more, but you can't even do with 10 bucks what I asked you to do with 10 bucks. And that's actually holding people back from going to the next level. Like, if you actually saw it from an you know, outside perspective, if you saw you know, God's point of view, and you know, there's $10 that you saw fell out of a lady's pocket, and all of a sudden you went, oh, praise God, the blessings of the Lord, they follow me everywhere I go. <laughs> Glory to God, I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Bless the Lord, I'm going to go, and I'll pay my tithe off it. That's not the point. That's not the point. You're dishonest in the little. 
I've seen people drop $50 bills. What do you do? Uh, Ma'am, you dropped that 50. Oh, I got to not whisper. Okay. <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, you dropped that 50. No, no. Ma'am, you dropped that 50. You, you give it back. Oh, thank you so much. And I've had people actually say, just, just take it. Thank you. Okay. The blessing of the Lord. That's the blessing of the Lord. <laughs> That's the blessing of the Lord. Not, oh, look what I found. <laughs> Yoink. Cheating the system is not a blessing. I don't know where I was at, but that's all good. Okay, so this is how the kingdom of God operates. Everything starts off as a seed. Don't despise the seed. What is he asking you to do? Is he asking you to get involved? Is he asking you to, this goes into the next one, obedience. This is the next step. What is he asking you to do? Or what is in your hand at this exact moment? What do you got? And it may look so insignificant and go, I'm not like, I take 30 minutes to pray. That's what the Lord asked me to do. Don't, don't despise that. Don't look down on it. Because the Lord, he says, he rejoices to see the work begin. You have no idea what those 30 minutes will build up into. Over and over. I mean, right now, at this day, what we are experiencing as a church at large is what, what Pastor John and Inger, what they started all these years back with their prayer team, Pastor Sheila, they've been praying Tuesday afternoons for how many years is that? 20 15, 20 years, every single Tuesday at noon. And we kind of go, oh, is, really though, is that much? You, over time, listen, every Tuesday for the last 15 years, how many Tuesdays? 52 Tuesdays a year, you times that by 20. There's a few Tuesdays, you kept by that in hours, that's a few hours. Praying about the plan of God for us as a church family. Those things that we're, those lands that we're getting is not just coincidence. Oh, what a coinkydink. Yeah, somebody just didn't want their land anymore. No, this was all prayed out all of these years before, and now we're stepping into it going, Yoo-hoo! I'm very well, well aware where all this stuff comes from. It's not me. It's not how cool and how good I am. I know that. It is the faithfulness of people that have gone before me and have plowed ground, have prayed, have believed God. Now my job is to honor that and continue to go the same route so that somebody else can take it even better than I have. Right? Okay. We're on the same page. So it's the same thing for you and I, but this is the next part is obedience. What do you have in your hand right now? These are a few examples. What relationship do you have? Is there a relationship that may just be kind of small, but you got to need to push into that a little bit. Is there an anointing or a grace in your life? One of the things that I'm even learning is I need to be faithful with the anointing that's on my life. Be faithful. And it's not about, Lord, we need more anointing. We need more. We need more. No, 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 no. What are you doing with what you have? So I'm acknowledging it. Lord, I thank you. I am anointed to preach so people get it. I say that on a regular basis. And I've heard people say, man, I, I get it now. Yeah. Why? It's because, because I'm working the anointing. I'm, it's not me. Again, I'm depending on that anointing. I just say it. I'm faithful to this. Lord, I am anointed to preach the gospel so people connect the dots. That's what, my, that's what I'm anointed to do. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to be faithful in it. I'm going to study to do that. I'm going to prep to do that. That's what I'm doing. So the same thing for you. What is your anointing? What is your grace? Do you know what you have? Right? If it's business, you learn how to make tons of money. I'm anointed to do that. Be faithful in it. What, it, it may start even smaller. I'm anointed to sweep. I'm anointed to change diapers. I'm, everything. I'm doing this for you. Everything matters to him. There's not a small thing in God's eyes. Remember when Jesus was, you know, given the five loaves of bread and the two fish? Right? What did he do? He can multiply that. So whatever you got in your hand, be faithful to it. Okay. So let's talk about a little bit about obedience for a moment. First Peter chapter five, verse six. Again, in the Passion Bible, you know, some translations say submit to God. Everybody say submit to God. This is it. Anybody want to go to the next level? This is where it starts. If you bow low in God's awesome presence. Can anybody tell me what it means to bow low? And it doesn't just mean that's part of it. But what does it mean if you actually are bowing low in God's presence? Humbling. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I don't want to serve a camp, Edge. I don't want to hang around all those kids. And if he's asking you to, no, listen, this is where people miss it. The smallest things. It's people think it's just we're looking for this big glory. It's the small things that screw people over. The small stuff. 
I'm asking you, I want you to sign up and I want you to help reach these kids. Well, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Guess what? That exalting cannot happen. And you know what happens with people when they don't get exalted by God? They try doing it on their own. What do they do? They start self-promoting. They start self-proclaiming. Well, this is what I can do. I've met them, and rather than now boasting in the Lord, they're boasting in who he, they is. And when we hear that, guess what? I, I can't actually hear you. You are obnoxious. Just stop. It's, it's annoying. So what it is, because people, there's a presence. There is an attitude about people who've submitted low. Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want me to do? I will do whatever you ask me to do. Whatever's in my hand, Lord, you want me to pray? I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'll do it. It's obedience. And then it says, he will. Now notice that word? That's a big word. Eventually. The seed, when you plant the seed, is not the time of harvest. Seed, time, eventually, harvest. <laughs> what we're talking about is in the in-between parts. What do you do? Anybody can sow, and everybody loves to reap. But what do you do after you've sown? What do you do when you've given your time, and you've given your resources, and you've given into a relationship? Is now you water it. You take the time in it. Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then it says, uh, eventually exalt you, as you leave the timing, where? In his hands. So the timing goes where? It's all his. It's not for you to decide, this is my, this, you know, here's the thing. Even your five-year plan, great to have five-year goals, but you have no idea what five years holds in store for you. James even tells us that don't be stupid and saying, you know, well, this is what we're going to do next year. This is my plan for this year and this year and that year. You don't even know about tomorrow yet. So James says, if the Lord wills, this is what I see planned and visioned. And that's why I'm even being careful. If the Lord sees fit, yeah, we'll buy all this up. But I'm not going to make that decision because I don't know yet. I could be arrogant and say, yeah, we're going to buy this whole thing up and call it impact. It's no longer red deer anymore. It's just impact. <laughs> that's dangerous ground to be on. You borderline arrogance. The narcissist. Anywho, all right. It begins with obedience. Lord, what do you want me to do? And I leave everything in his hands. I'm just going to do what he asked me to do. Amen. So here's the thing. Isaiah 119, also you guys know this verse. But let me just ask you this question. Do you think that your grace can grow? Okay. Can it grow? If you're driving a hunk of junk car right now, can it grow? I'm living proof of that, baby. I'm living proof. <laughs> but are you faithful with it? Like it's, oh, I need it. I want a new car and I want this and I want that. You know what? Some of the times, and you know, people throw their, and here's the terminology they use. I'm going to use my faith for that new car. That's, that's great, but you got to be careful a little bit because sometimes if you're not faithful with the little things that you have, why on earth would God give you something bigger? And I'm all, are we faith people? Hands down. But faith is not just faith. There's wisdom attached to it. God's not going to just throw stuff at you and say, oh yeah, have fun. You know, I'm, God's just some, you know, great guy just throwing stuff out of the clouds all the time. No, he's asking you, prove it. This is how the kingdom of God works. Prove it. So guess what? You and I this morning, we are being tested. We're in a test. And it's totally up to you how you are going to handle this test. Are you going to pass it or not? So when the Lord's asking you, I want you to, you know, get planted in the church. I want you to, you know, serve. I want you to, you know, make relationships in the church. Well, I don't want to because I just do church my own way. Okay. Do it your own way. And the result is I want to be exalted. How come I'm not seeing things in my life? Maybe you got to go back to the thing he asked you to and start from there. And this is what's killing Christians is the small stuff, the small little itty bitty things. Okay. Isaiah 119 says this, if you are, everybody say it with me, if you are, how many of you are willing? <laughs> how many of you are willing? I want to be that willing church. I say this to the Lord, Lord, I'm your yes man. Whatever you want me to do, I'm just going to say yes. And I'm, you know, you ever seen the movie Yes Man? I haven't. I've just seen, <laughs> those guys have seen it. You can ask them about it. I've just seen the trail for it, and the guy apparently has to say yes to everything. Can I encourage you? Be God's yes man, yes woman. 
whatever before he even has to ask you anything. Yes. This is one of the things I love. My, my middle boy, Max, is basically Jamie and I's yes boy. I, I just, I love it. Like, I mean, he's, he's playing down. He's got all of his puppies wrapped in a blanket in himself. He's kind of turned himself into a hot dog. And like, he's trapped in there. And I'll say, oh, Max, can you go get London's water for me? It's just upstairs in her bed. Sure. Yeah. And then he escapes and ran down there. Here you go. He does that on a regular basis. And you know what that does to me as a father? It blesses my heart. Right? What doesn't bless my heart? Huh. Hey, can you go get that water for me? I can't! Oh, why? You, you, you got other plans? Is, is something on that's going on? No, I'm, I'm just too busy playing. That doesn't bless me. Oh, so you know what happens? Even if we keep saying, eventually, if you keep saying no, eventually you get stopped being asked. And I never want God to stop asking me stuff. It's one of the greatest things is to be used by God. And here's the thing. If you keep saying no, eventually the invitations will stop. And what will happen? Well, what's going on? How come I'm not seeing anything? You weren't faithful in the little things. Starts off small. Okay. So if you are willing, and that's where it all begins, is the willingness heart. Lord, I'm willing. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want me to do. You want me to make my bed? Okay, I'll start. Shouldn't I do something more spiritual? No, 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 no. This is what the Lord's been helping me. I don't always need a Moses revelation. You're going to part the sea, Joel, and you're going to let all the Israelites go. That's what I'm always expecting. Anybody else enter their prayer closet like that? All right, I want you to bring down fire from heaven and destroy this. Come on, God, let's do it. And then before that, I'm actually here. I need you to make your bed. Say, what now? <laughs> God, surely you care about something bigger. No, he cares about that. I want to get to the place where I can call fire down from heaven. Anybody else? <laughs> Trust me, we'll never be involved doing that, but it's just a nice thought. But it all starts with make your bed. Is your room clean? Are your clothes put away? Listen, I, I know this, I'm talking to adults, and you probably yell this to your kids, but we do all the talking. Now I'm looking at myself, and I saw on, the, on my white chair that I sit, and you know when the Lord deals with me? I saw four pairs of pants, and I saw two shirts laying there. And I, just on the inside, put it away. Oh. And we kind of think, oh, that's not spiritual. You absolutely better believe it is. You don't have a spiritual life and a natural life. You have a life, and they are all divinely connected. <laughs> so if I can hang my clothes, guess what? I'm able to preach. No, no, listen, you, you think that's, those aren't connected. If my room is dirty, this whole thing would be dirty. I, <laughs> I know you would say the same, right? This, my, yeah. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but it's vital. We have that. Like we just kind of think always oh, all these different. No, you have one life. It's all the same. My car is not going to be dirty like crazy. I'm going to clean that thing. Why? Because I am a, and I've been entrusted with it. All right. Okay. So if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. But then he goes on to say, this is the happy news. Click. Verse 20. Mm. Oh, you don't want to click there, do you? All right. Well, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm too scared to click. <laughs> Fine. If we're too scared to click, how dare you to open your Bible? Oh, there it is. There it is. All right. All right. So what does it say? If you are willing and obedient, what happens? You'll eat the good of the land. Now, I dare you, don't blink over the next verse. Oh, praise God, I'm willing and I'm obedient. I'm going to eat the best of the land. But he goes on to say, but, everybody say, but. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. So it's either one or the other. It's not, I'm willing and obedient, and, oh, just, I don't feel like doing that. So I'm going to just enjoy life over here. Can, can you see this? There is no two lives here. It's either I'm willing and obedient to eat the good of the land, or I'm going to turn away and refuse to listen. And what happens? Devouring comes. And what does, what is the enemies? Enemies doesn't mean like, you know, you got, you know, a neighbor doesn't like you. Enemies is the enemy of your soul. Depression. Suicidal thoughts. Rage. 
All of these things, now you've opened the door for them to come in and cause havoc in your soul. For Israel, it was literally their enemies were going to come and kill them with the sword. For you and I, what's our enemy? I mean, other than, of course, you got the kingdom of darkness. But how does it come and attach itself to us? It comes through death in your soul. Every time. Well, how come I'm so depressed? Are you willing and obedient? I would go right back to that. Oh, I'm just, I'm so depressed. I'm just, nothing's working in my life. Can I just give you a quick heads up? It's because you've refused and you've turned away to listen. So what do you do? Turn around again. Say, Lord, I'm willing and obedient. What would you have me do? Because what happens is when you get so, you know, disappointed and, you know, just miserable, it gets self-focused. You get all about me and you get all inward. Why did nobody do this to me? And how come nobody high-fived me at church? And how come somebody took my parking spot? How come somebody did this? And why do they keep talking about money? And why do they keep doing It's all... Listen, it's, this is serious stuff. This is what's killing Christians. And we just kind of act, oh, no, everything's okay. This is what's hurting you. You've turned away and you've refused to listen. So now what are you listening to? All the thoughts that the enemy's throwing at your head. Nobody cares about you. Is that true? We've got a room full of people that care about people. That's why we're here. But what do I need to do then? If I'm in that place, let me encourage you. Be willing and obedient. Lord, what do you want me to do? That's where freedom is. That's where joy is. If you're miserable, go make somebody else happy. You'll get happy in the meantime. <laughs> and sometimes you don't even feel like it. And that's what's so wonderful about faith. It requires no feelings whatsoever. God sees me. Everybody, did everybody feel like showing up to church today? Oh, come on now. <laughs> yes, for you, lady. That's the... <laughs> for my team members now. Well, fix that real quick. So for the real honest people, well, maybe not. But you know what? By stepping out and just say, Lord, I'm willing and obedient, I'm willing to go. You know what? Do you do that? When you step into that type of flow, man, there is no stopping what God can do in you. He can reach you and get a hold of you. So it all comes back to obedience. I need to speed this up because when my iPad closes on me, that means it's been 15 minutes. So I haven't touched this for 15 minutes. Okay. Let's, let's talk about faithfulness. So we know the plan of God, how God, the kingdom of God works. It's a seed. Everything starts as a seed. Whatever he gives me in seed form, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. If he wants me to make a friend with somebody, guess what? I'm going to do my best to be friends with that person. It's even those small things, right? What if they push me away? Don't stop. Text them. Hey, what are you doing? Anyways, <laughs> then I'm going to obey and then I'm also now talking about faithfulness. I want you to go to Matthew 25. Let's look at verse 14 through 30. And we'll, uh, we'll finish it off here. I'm going to just... It's got really hot in this room real fast. Man, I'm sweating a storm up here, people. All right, Matthew 25. And verse 14. So Jesus goes on to say, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven. What's the kingdom of heaven? It's a culture. It's a way of doing things, right? It's a way, right? This is how God does things. This is how he lives his life. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Now, I'm going to just read this whole parable, and then we're going to go break it down. Going on a long trip, he called together his servants and entrusted. Everybody say entrusted. He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Now, whose money is it? His money. He entrusted his money to them. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received a, the bag of five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you what? You see that? What does it say? Many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
The servants who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested the crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing... Even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless, those are powerful words, useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Glory to God. The word of the Lord. Amen. Okay. Now let's go back to verse 14 here for a sec. I want to just break this down. I mean, Jesus means business. We don't just do church because it's kind of a fun, cute thing to do on a Sunday, right? Because, you know, Phil's is too packed on Sunday mornings with other people, so i got to wait till it's empty so I could go. Jesus is building something here. We are involved. What he did 2,000 years ago, for three and a half years, he started a movement, a kingdom of God movement where heaven has now invaded earth and it's time for the takeover. Too long in the Old Testament times, you know, the, God's people were taken down. They were, you know, God wasn't able to fulfill everything he wanted to do because of the enemies. I mean, he, had, he was in control of the earth. Jesus came back, defeated the enemy, and he gave all power to you and I. So now we are here in Red Alberta on an assignment to take over. We're not here to maintain. We are here to take over. And listen, other religions are talking this. You look at the Muslims, they do a great job of advocating, we're going to take over, we're going to get Allah all over the place. And if you look at the world, they're doing a pretty good job pushing it out. You want to know why? Zeal. We've got to get that back, because we're here on the takeover as well. And the good thing about us, if you don't join our group, we're not going to kill you on the spot. We're going to leave that for when Judgment Day comes. We're here to preach the good news. This is, we're, this is what we're here for. We're here to preach the good news. But we got to take this thing seriously. So when you look at these, these verses, Jesus means business. So right here, he says, the kingdom of heaven is illustrated this way. He called together his servants. And what did he do? He entrusted his money. Now you see money, I want you to think about your gifts, your talents, your possessions, what God has given you, what you currently have at this time. First of all, do you know what you're entrusted with? Do you know what's on the inside of you? Do you know what you possess? Do you know the anointing that is on the inside of you? Anybody know? You gotta be bold about this. You have to know what you've been given. This is entrusted me. This, this anointing to preach so people get it is not mine. I've been entrusted with it. It's mine for now. And this is the key thing that we have to know as people who've been entrusted as servants. This is mine for now. Now, if you look at the next verse, verse 15. He says, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Now, here's the thing. I used to read that and go, there's, you know, there's just some people that are going to have five and some are just going to have two and some are just going to have one because that's what their abilities, what their God-given abilities. You can't change that. There's truth to that. There is some gifts and things that God has sovereignly given to men and women because of the call on their life. I'm not going to stand before God and give an account for Billy Graham's life. Thank God for that, because I'm not him. So he has given me gifts. He's given me talents to fulfill my call. But then he entrusts me some abilities, some supernatural ability that I can grow. There's some things that I have that I'm actually here to grow and to develop. Anybody else? You all got that. The gifting that you have, maybe it's a gift of serving, maybe it's a gift of hospitality. All these different kinds of gifts is given to you with the purpose that you grow it. You got to see this. It's yours for now. So let's look on now. Um, and here's the thing. He left on his trip. This is what I love about God. He gives you, entrusts you with this gift, and he's out. 
He's not a helicopter God. What do you do with that gift? Why aren't you developing it? He doesn't do that. Anybody ever been pushed to develop their gift? No. I may feel stretched. I may feel tugged. But he's not sitting over me. Can you do something with it? No, he gave you this gift and now he's out. He is watching you to see how you do it. So this is where a mindset comes in. Are you having a growth mindset to your gift or is it just fixed? Oh, this is, you know, this is, if, I, if I'm a greeter, this is how I greet. Pleasure to see you. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming to church. It's hot out today, isn't it? Uh, sure rained last night, didn't it? Is that it for it? No, think about that for a sec. Is that it? What do you think heaven's like? What do you think their greeters are like? I'm, I'm, I'm on the worship team. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And you know, I could just be here. Is, is that it? Is this, is this like, you know, you see Aaron on the keys and you see Nana, her pregnant self, dancing about. That's what I'm talking about, girl. I'm like, if this girl can dance, I'm going to dance, man. I ain't pregnant. I'm, I'm going to get myself done. You see Shelby, you see all, all these guys. Is that it for them? Is that, is, that just, is that just it? And this is how good I sing and this is what I can do. No, it can develop. It's your gift. I can't dance like that. I wish I could, but I can't. I <laughs> know. I used to be a Backstreet Boy back in the day, back in the day, but now I, I've been sanctified. I haven't developed that gift. <laughs> but here's the thing. You have all gifts, but what are you doing with it? It's yours to develop. One of my gifts is to communicate. My gift is to connect with people. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use my gift everywhere I go. It's a gift I have. I'm not going to just squench it and, you know, people say, man, you sure really are, you know, you're kind of out there. Yeah. You may not like it, but it's a gift that I have, and I'm going to use it to the best of my ability so I can have five more. So you think I'm hyper now? You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Seriously. Okay, verse 16. Now notice this. The servant who received the five bags of silver, what did he do? Three words, began to invest. Did, did the master tell him to do that? No, this is the mindset. He took ownership of his gift. This is mine. If I'm a singer, if I'm doing whatever, this is, I make money. This is what I might call this. This is mine, my gift. I'm going to now invest this gift. I'm going to work it. The money he earned, or so he began to invest the money, and what did he do? He earned five more. The next, the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned what? Two more. Now notice this. This is one of the things that I'm seeing from these two men is you have to eliminate the delay. The moment you've received your gift, you got to eliminate the delay because any type of delay, it kills progress. What has he given you? He tells you to spend some 30 minutes of time to pray. Don't delay that. Oh, you know, next month. What has God been speaking to you? Oh, he's been talking to me about, you know, spending some time with him. When was that? Oh, that was last year. What are you doing? You've got to eliminate that delay because any kind of procrastination in that is killing progress in any kind of way. You've got to go for it, go all out in it. These are the two men. You, you see these, these two men, their mindsets, they just went after it. They began to invest immediately, right? Everybody doing okay? Okay. Now notice this again. These servants, they received their gift in seed form but the gift has to be developed in the time frame of when the master left and when he returned. It's the same thing for you and I. The gift that I have, I have to use it. I have to cultivate it. I got to bring it to pass on this earth between the time Jesus left 2,000 years ago to the time he comes back. That is the, all the time frame that I have with my gift. And how I use this gift is how I'm going to be judged. Right? You see this with the two men. Right? And so what did we see right afterwards? The, and the third one, what did he do with his gift? He dug a hole and he put his skin. He was overprotective of his gift. He was scared to step out. He was nervous about, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? Fear gripped him from moving out in his gift. And look again, verse 19. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver. No, what did he say? To invest. Did the master ever tell him that? 
No. But this is the mindset he took on. I've been entrusted with this. I'm going to invest. I'm going to grow it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to power through with this thing. And what happened? What did the master do? He earned five more. Look, look, now, this is, this is the Lord's response to this. Verse 21. The master was full of... He's jumping. Yeah, man, that's my man. Well done, my good end. Faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. You've handled this prayer time. I asked you to pray for six months, for 30 minutes a day, and you've handled this small little amount. I'm going to give you more. You're getting more responsibilities. Now, what just happened? His capacity grew. That's what happened. When you be faithful in the little things, what's taking place? You're not even realizing it, but your capacity is growing. Some of you are thinking, oh, I'm, it, uh, this used to seem so small to me back in the day. You know, you, know, you know, buying this or doing this and whatever. And all of a sudden, I look back at it now and go, man, that's, that's nothing. Why? Your capacity grew. I used to think preaching twice a weekend was tough, Saturday and Sunday. Now, I look and go, Sundays, that's it? It's easy. Why? My capacity grew. So you got to use the gift. Um, you've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more. Let's celebrate together. They had a big party. Then he goes on, verse 22, and he says the same thing um, with the, the gentleman that had two gifts. Again, his capacity has grown. And then let's look now here. Verse 22, the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two, and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Is anybody in this room interested in having more responsibility? Okay. Can I encourage you? God is requiring it of us to have more. These lands that we got is the result of us being faithful to this building. If we treated this building like a piece of junk, those two properties wouldn't even be open for us. Can, can you think about that for a moment? We wouldn't even be having it. But because he found us faithful with it, look what happened. Two properties opened up within a week's time. Like that's, that's supernatural. That is added responsibility. So now what's required with more land, it requires, comes with more responsibility. So what we're going to do is we are going to be faithful with these two lots. They gave them to us. Woo! I'm happy about that. <laughs> Again, the master was plead. Learn to be a self-starter. We have to discipline ourselves. And I just wanted to leave you with this thought. One of the things that I've, um, I'm learning to grow in and really understand, I mean, you know, your reputation is important as a church, but as an individual, your reputation is important. And so one of the things that I've written down, and this is something that I look at on a regular basis, but reputation determines your responsibility, your relationships, and your reward. If you don't like your reputation, change your routine. Routine determines results, and results determine reputation. Should I say that again? Yeah. Reputation determines your responsibility, right? Yep. You got a reputation, so it gives you there's certain jobs that come your way, certain opportunities that come your way. Your reputation also determines the relationships you have. Yep. Yep. Ever noticed that before? What, what's your reputation like? Are you constantly a miserable person? Did you know that good people don't want to hang around miserable people? I've got three, it's true. And you, and you, do you see that? Like, I don't want to hang around a miserable person. Why? That's my reputation. I want to have joyful people around me. People that think, yeah, let's go for it. Let's build. Let's do the best. Let's go after God. Rather than people, oh, is it really going to work? I don't have time for that. We were here to build. Determines your reputation. Or so your reputation determines your relationships. And it also determines your reward. If you don't like your reputation, change your routine. Because routine determines results, and results determine your reputation. So if you don't like where you're at, just change your routine. What do you do on a daily basis? What does your mornings look like? What does your day look like? Is God even in there somewhere? 
It's something we're learning to do with our kids is rather than just sitting now, okay, now it's Bible study, kids. Let's just read our Bible now. No, we are talking to, uh, to the kids about God on a regular basis because we don't want them just to see, okay, it's a separate part of our day. And now, okay, from six to seven, we talk about God and the rest of it, we just do whatever we like. Throughout the day, when I'm driving Jace to school, I say, Jace, who do we, who do we beat? The devil. And we're just, man, we're singing in the car. We're rejoicing. Jace, tell me John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. One and only. One and only. And it's just a way of life. So what do you do? We make this a routine. It's just, it's, it's not just, okay, this is how we do it. No, we have it throughout the day. Keep it throughout the day. So this is my routine. I mean, there'll be times for me, Monday nights, every Monday night, I spend time with the Lord. Lord, is there anything that you want to talk to me about in my white chair? This is my routine. Spend time with him throughout the week. This is it. Because I want my routine to determine my reputation. Here, here. All right, let's all stand up together. I trust this was helpful. I just don't think we want to get killed anymore. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.